Welcome to episode 46 of Shocking Things. We have Nayar of Star Pod Logback. How you doing, Nayar? All right! <laughs> or maybe we have Paul Stanley, I'm not sure. You need something to pick you up? It's <laughs> not so, vodka and orange juice, right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how, after all these years, you just Paul has so many notable in between catchphrases that it's 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 just it's just that like you can make a whole segment in itself about all the bizarre things that kiss says from the stage either bizarre or funny oh yeah definitely so just to let everyone know in case you haven't figured out uh, this episode is going to be about the band kiss and how nayar my brother and i got into the band you know why we like them so much how we're still fans uh because there's a few different reasons why i'm gonna do this episode with you when we did the episode 45 about star wars growing up you mentioned the kiss dolls so that was a big deal to you correct when you're a kid huge impact on you then also unfortunately uh did you hear that ken kelly died the artist who did destroyer yeah i met him before yeah yeah very nice guy phenomenal artist you know, like I said, uh, Love Gun is up there as one of my favorite album covers. Oh, absolutely. I remember seeing Love Gun as a kid, and everything about it just made me say, I want to hear what this sounds like. This just, it looks, it's like superheroes. Exactly. Like, Ken Kelly's the guy that turned Kiss, I would say, from a band that he made them into superheroes, his artwork. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's true. So, okay. So what is your first memory? Was it seeing the Kiss dolls at school? Is that how you found out about the band? It was. It was playing with the Mego dolls at that time in the 70s. Mego was king of toys. It's a toy company. And Mego had superheroes. They had Star Trek. They had Planet of the Apes. They had, like It seemed like virtually every popular license that a kid would like. The scale was eight inches with removable clothing, but they also had a 12 inch line. And so we had this 12 inch Incredible Hulk. There was 12 inch Superman. There was a whole whole bunch of, well, this kid in my class had the 12 inch Spider Man and the 12 inch Gene Simmons and was, you know, just fighting, playing with them together. So I just thought what he said, the demon was just another Spider Man villain. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, well, it's Gene Simmons. I said, well, which is it? Is it Gene Simmons or is it the demon? He goes, well, when he has his makeup on, he's the demon. But when he takes his makeup off, he's Gene Simmons. So I thought it was like a Clark Kent type deal. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first exposure. Then we went to a 
five and dime store called McCrory's. That's where we used to buy toys. And they had Kiss trading cards. And I went, oh, I want, I know what that is. I've seen that guy. I want, I want these cards. And when I opened the cards, they're playing instruments. Like, what in the world is this? These are superheroes that play instruments? And the card, especially with Gene Simmons sucking on the microphone with blood That's dripping out. It that, was, I would look at it. I loved it, but I put it quickly behind the deck. I was like, I didn't want to look at it too much. It scared me. That's I'm the looking at these pictures. I was like, these guys, I don't know what they sound like. I, you know, at that time, all I knew about was Partridge Family, Elvis, things like that. ABBA. I have no idea what these guys sound like. And that was my first exposure to Kiss. wasn't their music, but it was it was just them. Yeah, the merchandise. Yeah, the cards are the first thing I saw because you brought them home, and I didn't know exactly. It's just oh, they're a band. I don't know what they sounded like, but I liked them <laughs> immediately yeah. just by looking at them. Yep. And when you talk about being superheroes, then Gene Simmons' costume is based on Black Bolt, correct? And then is the hands? They does the hand gestures based on Spider Man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so at that time, we did not know that Gene is a super fan. I got to meet him at a convention some years later, and he was talking about a, a, a com- not a KISS convention, like a regular comic convention. And he said that he collects Silver Age comic art, Jack Kirby, Steve Dicko. And this guy will just rattle off names like you wouldn't believe. Now, just think about with his money. What kind of stuff? He didn't oh. talk in detail, but can you imagine what kind of original art that he has? It's oh. it's a it's that's why the price of this stuff is just so high is because you have it's no longer just average people collecting anymore. You have multi multi millionaires that have super disposable income. They're just paying any price for it because they want it. Right, definitely. So yeah, yeah Gene's that- one of us. He man, he knows. His classic horror movies, classic sci-fi, comic books. He knows it all. He, I actually know a comic book dealer in Atlanta who has some of Gene Simmons' original fanzines and comic book price guides. Uh, when Gene was a kid, he would collect comic books and get comic books by making his own fanzines. In the New York area, and that's how he would build his collection. So, I mean, just think about that. How how awesome! What what other people in the music industry do you know that have deep ties to the comic book world? Oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because the biggest influence I think you see what the Beatles and Superman as a kid, and that's yeah, it's funny. And to this day, Kiss always has in their dressing room a 1970s Superman bed sheet as as the door to their dressing room like they hang that up to cover the doorways it's crazy and gene said he always has that travel with him just to remind them that when you leave these doors out of the dressing room you're not human beings you're superheroes on the stage so i mean kiss is more than just a band there it's like they're they're psyche when they get on stage is like they transform into different people no, what else now? So we're little kids. Now, when is the first time you remember actually hearing them? Was you got the um, forty-five? Correct. It was, it was your it was your birthday, 
it was 1979 and this is the funny story is our dad well you were you really like this song called ring my bell yes by anita ward yeah this is the embarrassing part uh i i love that see i like disco uh, i Oh, it's hilarious now. Like, but yes, I like that song. So Ryan picked the Kiss 45, I, and I picked Anita Anita Baker, Ring My Bell. Anita, Anita Ward. Anita Ward, yes. That, that later Will Smith sampled for a song, too. That's good trivia. And um, I remember, like, okay, my dad, we are at Music Box in the Hamden Plaza. And so I didn't know the name of a Kiss song. And he asked me, he's like, so what do you want? John got his record. What do you want? I was like, I want Kiss. And then, okay. And the clerk there just picked up whatever the latest Kiss single that was out. And it was Sure Know Something. And on the B side was Dirty Living. And there's there's no picture on it. It's just a sleeve. And I'm like, oh, I really want something with a picture. But it's like you're sitting in the car and we get home. I was like, all right, I'll put it on. And dad said, well, no, it's John's birthday. John puts the record on first. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to ring my bell. I like ring my bell, but I want to hear what this sounds like. <laughs> and then and uh, put it on. And it's like, you know, it's kind of a disco-ish song. It's kind of a poppy song. and But I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then we got to flip it over. And I was like, wait a second. They sound like two different people. And I'm looking at the trading cards. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm like, okay, this guy with the star in his eye sings. The guy dripping blood sings. Who is who's singing on these songs? I'm just. I thought it was Gene singing Dirty Living. That's exactly what I thought, too. I didn't realize all four of them sang because my. No internet. You know, you're only going to see what you see. And so uh, at that time, we had three channels and. Pretty much had no Sam what to watch outside of whatever cartoons and stuff were on. Uh, Credible Hulk, I know that was popular. Certain certain shows that that we watched, but overall, my mother wasn't going to say, "Hey kids, it's Kiss" or something. Like she actually did not like us liking Kiss. She's like, "No, don't play that Dirty Living song. That's not a good song." I was like, mm, "Okay." Uh, I just think about the genius of that time of Kiss because. They lament that too many kids got into Kiss during that time. But you know what? If they kept their sound like they did for Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun, like if if my first 45 of Kiss was God of Thunder, I bet your mom would just tossed it out. She's like, I don't want them listening to this. So, I mean, you, that was like a gateway for kids of yeah, the, I remember the album. That, that was actually a stroke of genius to – just back it up a little bit. Yeah, Ace did not like the heavy merchandising commercialism. I remember he said that numerous times, and that's why he kind of like lost. You know interest. what? If there was no merchandising, I would know nothing about them. Probably yeah. my favorite band would be the Bee Gees. Because I, I, <laughs> you'd be playing Giant. Well, I Rocket. remember going through the comic books of that time. You would see ads for T-shirts, and well, this was the era we had Elvis T-shirts, if you remember. And, like, they would have the listing of all the different T-shirts. It would say things like Sean Cassidy, Kiss, Village People, all this stuff. And I'd look at these T-shirts, and I was like, man, Mom got us these Elvis shirts, but I I would like a Kiss T-shirt, too. And they were kind of like an iron-on. You know what I mean? They're they're 
they're they're like plasticky. They kind of got hot. They weren't like t-shirts. Now they had glitter on them. It was just it was just a different world. Like you were exposed to things based on merchandising because there was there was there was no other entryway if you're a kid. Yeah. And the Kiss comic books, you didn't read that till later on, right? Their appearances, because I didn't until I was a teenager. Find I, out. See, I I never saw it anywhere. We only got comic books from Cumberland Farms and Wawas, and like news racks. So they didn't have the Kiss Marvel Super Specials. Uh on just a regular news rack that that we were exposed to. I mean, look, the comic books, I could rattle off all the comics. Hulk number 225, uh, Avengers number 174, X-Men number 112. These are comics that we would get off the newsstand, and I read them over and over and over and over and over again. Because when you're a kid, you only have so many comics, right? This, Star Wars number 14. And... It was kind of it was interesting looking at ads in comics during that time because kids knew how to cross promote th- th- their band to to the to the world of comics. That was Gene. Gene understood that, and Bill Coyne understood that that there was there was like like a cross pollination there. Yeah, Bill Coyne was really really instrumental in getting the band to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, there was even talks about taking the makeup off, and they were, you know, admin of keep the mystery. That in itself was amazing. That no one knew what they looked like, and if you're a kid, that was just so enticing. And I remember the Kiss makeup kit, Kiss your face okay. makeup kit. Yes. It was. I remember seeing it at Child World, and asking mom to get it. And here's here's the reality of it. So if that thing, let's just say it was $7 to buy it, the off-brand one would have been $4. So she bought us the off-brand one. It was a Remco one, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like a Remco Monster one or something like that. Uh, but the, uh, Remco also made – they made the Kiss one. So it's Yeah, like even a but the Kiss one was more expensive. Stone or whatever – Whatever company, so it's even cheaper level than that, probably. Yeah, yes, they yes. Branded with a clown on it, so. So, so, so she says, no, 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 don't get the kiss one, because that one I heard, if you put the makeup on, it never comes off. Oh, you, you want to terrify a kid? Say that to him, because I was like, man, I, I'd like that makeup, but I don't want it on forever. You want to terrify a kid? Tell him you're gonna look like Peter Chris for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And and so I was like, oh, I don't even want that. And then years later, I asked her about it, and she goes, yeah, it was like twice the price. I didn't want to buy the one twice the price. It's just makeup. It's just merchandising. I'm like, yeah, it just says says something to you. So you'd want you'd want the cheaper one. And I did. I was like, oh, why don't get get that thing away from me? I don't want that on forever. Now, speaking of like the mystery of the makeup off, this is another thing I remember. When we were kids. I can't remember what store. I might have been like Ames, but they had the Kiss dolls for sale. And they had a, a Paul Stanley loose, you know, some kid took it out of the, the box to play with. I remember taking a quarter out of my pocket, trying to rub the makeup off to see what he looks like. And you were shocked that it was the captain from Captain yes. Antoniel. Yes, they reused. Yes, they were, years later, we found out they just reused the head mold for Paul. It wasn't yeah. a, a, an original sculpt for him. And uh, and then they also used one for Peter Chris's Lex Luthor. So You'd see Gene Hackman if you tried taking that makeup off when you were a kid. So it's kind of amazing that during that era, 
that um I was at Bradley's and for your listeners outside of the country or outside of the Northeast, Bradley's was kind of like a, a local department store, just regional to the Northeast. And that doll was 12 inches. So, you know, when you're a kid, a 12 inch dolls, a healthy size, you know, I mean, you hold it in your hands and like, it's powerful. I remember just walking for some reason, seeing it on the shelf in the box was scary but playing with it in real life was fun and i remember just walking around like making a big circle seeing that on the end cap at bradley's and i had that same feeling seeing the alien doll on the shelf Mm -hmm. like the packaging on that thing was pretty impressive like the the photographs of the whole band and you have a little window to see their head and then on the back they had instruments that you could cut out yeah, if anybody knows uh, Marty Abrams and Migro, they, this, they're definitely the cost cutting. So instead of making plastic instruments, they had the cardboard cutout on the back. Each box is pretty much the same, except they had a different band uh, member's name on it, correct? Just a, That's right. That's like, right. And, you know, we had a display in our bedroom. And, for, you know, for years and years, we had the Star Trek, the Migo, Star Trek, the motion picture enterprise on display in our bedroom so you know if you're a kid in the 70s or early 80s almost every kid had these like these two bars and you put these braces in the slots and you just put a piece of plywood over the top and that was a shelving system and you kind of displayed your toys and whatnot trophies anything and so we had the enterprise up there for the longest time and then when we got older we ended up buying as teenage toy collectors buying the kiss doll set and if you remember we opened the gatefold to double platinum and we put that in the back and lined up the kiss dolls and had them on display there and since they had no instruments i remember in the 80s there was this line of dolls called gem yeah it was based on a cartoon series and i was at child world i was like wow look at this it looks like an Iceman guitar and it's purple so i just popped open the package and i just ripped it out and took it <laughs> i put it on i put it on the paul stanley doll <laughs> and then uh you made you took a light bright and then you made the kiss logo in light bright that's right and i put that behind the display too which how did they miss that there's the kiss merchandise a ridiculous amount of things uh, yeah, like they had kiss color forms uh yeah, so they had the makeup you said. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. So they had the co- Collegeville made the Halloween costumes. Oh, and we had the knockoff. Yes. Kiss Gene Simmons mask. So it was that, you know, the stupid mask, Collegeville, Ben Cooper. But this one had like a light green face to it, and and it had a bat instead of his makeup. So, like, you knew it was supposed to be Gene, but it wasn't exactly Gene. And I remember looking at the traded cards as a kid and looking at that mask and just saying to myself, like, this is so weird. Why is I didn't I didn't have a comprehension of it being a knockoff. I was like, why is his face green on the mask? Why this? Well, the hairy and scary. If you're I don't know if you remember that. Hairy scary. Is that what it was called? Hairy and scary. Yeah. Ben Cooper made those and Collegeville made the official kiss ones. I still liked it, though, even though it was a knockoff. Yeah. no, It, it, was, it makes me think, like, now I kind of want to make a, a Harry Scary cosplay. That would be awesome. I don't know if anyone's going to get it, but sure. But uh, 
So then we got more into the band. Uh, what would you say? I remember the first one. Well, once they took the uh, makeup off. Yeah. When, when they took the makeup band. off, it resurged interest in the band. And that was the biggest deal in the world to us at the time. When we saw the, I remember seeing the commercials for the album. I yeah, I remember going to the New Haven Chapel Square Mall and looking at the album. And I actually thought that Vinnie Vincent was Ace Fraley. That's what I thought, too, for the longest time. I just looked at it. I was like, wow, that's what they look like without makeup. And the funny thing is, as an adult, if this happened, I was like, okay, that's how they look without makeup. But it's <laughs> like, what, little, oh, wow, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. But. At the time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because they really hid their identity. I mean, they really, it's not like nowadays yeah. how you could have the singer of Ghost. You, you could exactly. Just, Again, like, you look at him, you look like a normal person. It's not like there's anything crazy about him. But yes, but they would go out in public. They'd have like, well, like, like their faces partially covered with sheets, right? Like a little like cloth over their, their mouths. So you could yes. people yep. try photos. Yeah, yeah. but when they took the makeup off And that's when It's like our parents didn't listen to rock radio They just listened to oldies and stuff So we had like no exposure to Until MTV came out I would say that was the era when Actually knew what was going on In the world of popular music And that was such a big game changer To see videos of, Of them and other bands And you realize they're all kind of Everyone's doing this post-apocalyptic thing. Everyone wanted to be the road warrior. It, true, yeah. So Kiss had their video to lick it up. I remember Motley Crue had theirs. Exactly. Very similar. Like Too Young to Fall in Love. Or a very, very similar type of look. Crocus. It was just everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah. But I just want to backtrack a little bit. The other thing that was a huge deal to us before they took the makeup off is when Peter Chris left the band and Eric Cryer replaced him. We saw the People magazine at whatever. That's like, right. That's Obama. right. We thought that was the most amazing thing in the world. That's how we found out about it. Seeing the yes. Magazine. Yeah. And, and if you remember, because we were at our grandfather's house and they had two TVs. They had a, a TV room and then they had a small TV in the guest bedroom. And Kids Are People 2 was on the same time as star trek the animated series and we were running back and forth between the two rooms i mean no vcr then okay and watching the reveal of the new drummer eric carr and watching star trek and there was just okay now you got to run here 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 and 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 they call them the fox but somehow i translated to foxy because i remember going to school saying and there's a new kiss drummer he's foxy <laughs> yeah, Fox and Cleopatra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is Eric Carr. There's also three, two, one contact. We're in Kiss on that too. I mean, it's such a long time ago. I haven't seen it in years. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, it's one of those things because of YouTube. Now I've watched wow. things that I missed, but right. that 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 is one that that I did not see when right. it came yeah, out. That was, but that to us was a huge deal to see Eric Carr, this new member in the band. Yes. You know, and I think he even Kiss got bigger with Animal Eyes. I remember going to the North Haven Fair. Anytime you went to fairs, they had 
you throw a dart, you get a poster, or you hit a balloon and you get a little mirror. Uh, you won a animalized headband. Oh, and this was the era of kids wearing painters' caps and headbands, which made no sense. Why in the world would anybody want a painter's cap? Yeah, with Sometimes a band name on it. It's it's yeah, you, you scratch you look back and you scratch your head and saying, "Good God, that was stupid." Yes, but yeah, I had the quite right painter's cap. But yes, the the kiss that animalized it just had the whatever this tiger stripes and the kiss logo in yellow. Yeah, the thing was amazing. Yeah, you looked awesome wearing a, a animalized headband with a quiet riot painter's cap. Because <laughs> I remember our grandfather saying, "Were you going to paint the house?" <laughs> like I didn't. You're, you're a kid. You're like, well, it's a baseball hat. The, like he realized it right off the bat. Like it's just a painter's hat. You look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, I loved Animalize. I remember that was like one of the first cassettes I ever got. That's right. That's right. And remember, that was one of those things that I mean, you had to turn it down or put the headphones on when Burn Bitch Burn was on because there was no possible way I'm gonna let mom hear that. <laughs> But yes, I was obsessed. I remember the Animalized T-shirt. Yeah, that album I was... Okay, do you remember we both had Animalized T-shirts, and then one of us had one with Bruce Kulik on it, and one of us had one with Mark St. John on it. I had mine that Mark St. John on it. Yeah, so mine was a Bruce Kulik one. It's it, it took a while. Like There was at some point where we realized, wait a second, these are two different T-shirts. We have the same T-shirt, but they're two different T-shirts. That's so, so crazy because that was the transition of drum, of, of guitarists. That they yeah, actually had to change the merchandising. Yeah. At the time, we had no idea that Mark St. John was like, what did he play? Maybe a couple shows? Like, barely. It was something absurd, like album. three and a half shows or something. It was something crazy, stupid. Yeah, uh, rare appearances. Yep. Then they had that MTV. We saw it on MTV that uh, was analyzed, uncensored, or something like that. They had a lot. They played time. it a lot. Yeah, they played it over and over again. And the funny thing is, as an adult, I can't, I can't watch it. It's just it's too fat. Like they picked up the tempo so fast that it's unwatchable. It's un- you can't listen to it. <laughs> but at that time, that that was that was the thing, right? Oh Picking yeah, up speed, I, I, were, making hair thought. bands and all that. Were you a big Eric Carr fan? Because I, I thought he was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved him. And then you got big into Bruce, too, right, as years went on as a guitarist. He's still one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, he's The guy is just – he's never controversial. He always plays things right. Because I've seen Ace Frehley numerous times. He used to play at Toad's Place all the time. And the Toad's Place shows were all ages. And uh, it was – cheap it was always cheap to go see him i still have all my original ticket stubs and they're extremely affordable and you know, ace is just sometimes he's on sometimes he's off he's never consistent whereas bruce always consistent just watch you i was watching some video before the creatures fest that just happened recently in nashville and yeah. ace screws up numerous times <laughs> and he, he blames the drummer matt star and then, but Bruce, I see him, and it was perfect. Yeah, and if you remember, too, to back up a little bit, we ended up going out trick-or-treating one year as Kiss. Oh, yeah. And so I was Paul, you were Gene, and our friend Dave was Peter. 
and we had a Superman pillowcase. It was the era of Superman, the movie, and we put a, you know, a smaller boom box. I don't even know if maybe it was a cassette player or something. I think it was the small portable cassette player, but we had Kiss music playing while we would open up the Superman pillowcase and get candy. So, so what was playing? Do you remember what what album was playing? I don't even remember at the time. No, okay. I don't remember. But it's yeah. it, it's just one of those things that even there there was always from from kindergarten up there was always some aspect of Kiss in our lives, whether they were popular or not, because they went through ebbs and flows in popularity. Because after probably the mid 80s they dipped down a little bit you didn't you didn't see him as much on mtv yeah they were getting it's yeah there's a point where they had uh so they had asylum but they went full glam they were like this or yeah it was too over the top then yeah really really over the top the bright colors and gene with the makeup he has like rouge on right and he dressed like b arthur yeah then and Creep- we were still getting all the any time a magazine had Kiss in it, we would if it had a poster, especially we would hang up the posters on the wall, makeup and non makeup era. We liked it all because we shared a bedroom, so we had like tons of Kiss posters. Yeah, and then what else happened? So that so what was the I'm trying to think of the turning point. And then when like Revenge came, well, out- I remember one Kiss poster. Remember there's one of that came out of a magazine. It was Paul holding his chest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my dad came in, he just shook his head and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> that and the Man of War posters. Yeah, that yeah, was Yeah, yeah, me yeah, he didn't go for Man of War either. either. <laughs> I thought Man of War was just like Conan, like four Conans. I thought they were awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're getting every album, some I like more than others. Revenge is where they really started. It seemed like they had a little bit of research. Well, before that, remember, we got to talk about going to, to see Kiss live. Oh, that's right. That's before Hot in the Shade, which wasn't. Oh, my that, God. That, Hot, I spent so much money every, every, because by that time I had a part-time job. And I just went to the merchandise case and I said, I'll buy one of everything I got. It was just, it was unbelievable how much. Remember, we were supposed to see them in New Haven, Connecticut, but yes. we got in a car accident. Yes. So that got postponed and wasn't going to come back till like months later. But when he got better, the next show was going to be Providence, Rhode Island. So our parents said, we'll bring you to that. That's so right. It's amazing. So it was me, you, and Dave. We went to go see him in Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, that, and this is back when you can get floor seats. What do we have, like 13th row for like $20 or something like that? You know what? Like- you're making me pull out. I should have pulled this out earlier, but now I'm going to pull out my Kiss scrapbook. And I'm going to give you exact dates. Right. I'm going to give you prices. Because I remember we had pretty good seats. Plug. Wait, hold on. I'm waiting. Come on. Edit this. I'm running out of power. Ugh. Plug me in. Right, Ace, come on. Oh. Did you find it, Ace? Yeah. One shot, you Ace? All right, here it is. The original K 
Kiss, New Haven. I have the ad that was in the New Haven Register. Okay. Saturday, October Saturday, October twenty seventh, seven thirty p.m. WPLR ninety nine Rock. Kiss with special guests Winger and Slaughter at New Haven Coliseum. Now, this is one of the things that drove me crazy. It said that ninety nine Rock presents. That was I hated that station. It just, <laughs> to me it was always garbage. I hate the Eagles. I hate Steve Miller. I hate Molly Hatchet. I just the they never, to me it was just garbage music. Kiss. They never played Kiss. They never played right. Iron Maiden. They never played anything I wanted to to hear. But they were always p- promoting the bands that, that they wouldn't play. I didn't, I didn't understand that. So then how much was the New Haven show? So here it is, New Haven Coliseum. And so that was... Uh, it was originally supposed to be July 5th, and, yes. and, and it moved to October 27th. So I have the ticket stubs. And here's the thing is that, remember, since it was so close to Halloween... People are actually thinking that they would hit the stage with makeup on. Oh, okay. Which uh, obviously didn't happen. And at New Haven, it was $19.50. We were on the side there, Section 14, Row 12. And at Providence Civic Center, we had floor seats, 10th row floor. How much were those? Those were, uh, let's see. Those were $17.50. Can you imagine floor seats for KISS? $17.50. What does it cost now? $1,200 for 10th row? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Yep. And I'm looking at Ace Fraley at Toad's Place. That was uh, $13.50. The whole 50 cents thing to me is bizarre. I mean, why would would you do that? You got to make that extra 50 cents. Yeah. And it's amazing. They're still touring. Ace is still playing. East, you know, uh, Kiss is still playing with the two different members. That's right. That's right. And I even have the, I have the uh, cutout from the New Haven New Haven Register. It says Kiss concert to be rescheduled. So there is some jinx going on with the metal bands in New Haven Coliseum. Motley Crue's concert there, April seventh, ended abruptly when drummer Tommy Lee bounced on his head at the end of an aerial stunt. And now KISS had to cancel Thursday night's Coliseum concert because singer-guitarist Paul Stanley was involved in a car crash Wednesday. According to a statement from Polygram Records, Stanley was heading towards his New York City home from his show in Springfield, Massachusetts for the holiday when his car was hit by another driver in Pelham, New York. Stanley, who was asleep in the back of the car at the time of the accident, awoke to the sight of headlights coming towards him. When his car was hit, it skidded more than 200 feet, knocking over a road light, going over an embankment, and stopping only when ramming into an iron gate wall. Stanley suffered back and neck injuries, but apparently will go on tonight's show in Old Orchid Beach, Maine. Polygram says New Haven concert will be rescheduled for late October with tickets for Thursday's show being honored. Now, if you do remember when we saw him, he had his rib cage taped up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now that was so for us. This was the biggest deal in the world to finally see Kiss live in 1990. Even though we're like, well, they don't have the makeup on, but it's still cool. They had one of the best sets I could say they ever had for their ever tour. ever, and the best set list. Yes, they've never had a set list ever like that again. It was just amazing. 
And here was the rule, because some will say, like, well, why did you wait so late to see them live? Well, my dad had this rule that I couldn't see a, a concert till I was 16 years old. And so I had to wait till I was 16, and then I had to wait till they came around. So that's that, that, that's the answer. I, I don't know why to him 16 was the magic number, but it was. Yeah, so that was yeah, so that was they had this giant sphinx, humongous sphinx, because the album cover hot in the shade at the time what the tour was for had a mm-hmm. sphinx on the cover. I remember the tour was it the tour manager or they had a new agent and he didn't like the Sphinx cover and it it was his idea to try and incorporate that into the show to make it promote it, but gotta do something cool with it. I remember yeah. the interview. And it came out awesome. The the giant had these like lasers right coming out of the eyes and the mouth. Oh, and then because we had tenth row floor seats, when the Sphinx crumbled and was destroyed, and then the KISS logo started rising from the smoke, uh, was my mind was blown. Yeah, so this is like an old school, it turned from like the modernized at the time look to the old school yeah. look. So mm-hmm. I think that was really, really phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. It was it was amazing. And that's just firmly established. This is my favorite band. This well, Kiss and I are maiden, where I always went back and forth between those are my top two. And you know, they're both bands that had consistent album output and consistent awesome shows to see live. So that was another thing now. So we were still into the band. Then we went to our first Kiss Expo. We I don't know how we found out about it, but this was in Rhode Island sometime in the That's night. Right. Mm-hmm. This was this was and at the time there was no guests there, correct? It was just buying merchandise and then they had a giant screen. Well, they had the guest was Kiss Photographer, and I'm like, I don't photographer, that's not a guest. Like, <laughs> okay, I don't for that. That was the guest. But I'm gonna say, even before that though, you would go to conventions, Star Trek conventions and comic book conventions, and there were KISS videotape dealers. Were there were they selling the bootlegs and stuff like just that? Just selling the bootlegs, yeah. Yep. So it's like market. That, yeah, it, it's like Kiss. Well, if you remember when you bought your first Kiss dolls, you bought it at a Star Trek convention at the Park Plaza Hotel. It was. It, yep. Yeah. So like, Kiss always had crossovers with other fandom. When you go to the cons. Yeah. So that we we went there, saw the merchandise. I remember seeing they had the Kiss record player. Was that the biggest? Oh, I love looking at that's like things that I don't remember seeing as a kid that that yeah. I wish I did or like the Kiss remember, AM radio things uh, like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, remember that. Remember they had interviews. That's what they're playing. So they didn't really have any big guests. So they're playing interviews. Remember they had one with Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, right. and I always find that Vinnie Vincent era so interesting because it was it was so short and there wasn't a lot of stuff. And and you got to remember downtown New Haven above the York Square Cinema, there was this underground record store called Rhymes Records, and we would go there to get stuff too. Like anything that I could find that was bootlegs, I was obsessed over. Yeah, they had bootleg audio cassettes and video cassettes at concerts. Yes. And no. and CD. That was the era. Then CDs were getting more popular. And I remember one time they had a picture CD, and it was the like the uh, creatures era, and I got it home. It didn't have any 
like the package didn't say anything. It was just literally the disc with a clear case. And I got it home and it was just it's an interview. This right? isn't even music. It's an interview. <laughs> and I felt like the same time, like you know, I was like like seven years old getting that uh, that that Star Trek inside Star Trek record album. I was like, boy, this is going to be a good Star Trek story. And it wasn't. It was an interview with Gene Roddenberry, you know, a seven year old kid. I don't want to hear interview with Gene Roddenberry. I want to hear a story. And I felt the same way with this. I was like. I thought I'd hear like music that in here. And instead it's Gene Simmons talking about Coca-Cola or, or <laughs> it was like weird. He was like, he was going Coca-Cola. It was just, he was saying weird stuff. He was trying, I guess it was like an, uh, he he had to be in like some other country. And then he's talking about making cheesecake, how he wants to be good at everything. That's why he's in movies, which it's kind of interesting because even in the early eighties, he wanted to do more than just be in a band. He was saying how he wants to be a really good cook. He wants to be able to make good cheesecake. <laughs> Man, I don't care you making cheesecake. I just want you to make good music. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely great going there to, to Rhymes. Like I said, I remember getting the last concert with Vinnie Vincent because that was a big deal because he, he was. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That, that was the Brazil show, right? It was in Rio. So this was like, oh, yeah. this is amazing. We finally get to see this concert to see him play with the makeup on and everything. Yeah. So that was a big deal, but yeah, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like I said, before YouTube and stuff, this was a huge deal. Nowadays you can just click your, right. Your finger, find any of this stuff. Yeah, that was a bit. And, and I think, and the funny thing is during that era, because I, you know, I have my stub to uh, Peter Chris at Toad's place. That was no, November 22nd, 1994. Um, this this was the era before the reunion tour, and and we noticed that you would see the same people at every Kiss event over and over and over again. So before the era of social media, this is the only time you ever got to see other Kiss fans. Like to this day, you still talk to that guy Eric, right? Hey, this is this is a guy. My brother and I would see it. Any he would go to any Kiss related. So Peter, Chris, Ace, really any Kiss. Any type of sideband Kiss concerts he would go to. Yeah. And for work, I have a new trainee. The trainee is is Eric. So I'm training in, and half the time I'm showing him what to do, and the other half we're talking about Kiss and Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah. It was all connected. Like it, it was literally all, and you got to know people and see people regularly. And it was funny. It was like during this era, it was on the. I was one of 16 people in the audience to see Peter Chris at Toad's Place. So anytime Peter says that he should get one quarter of the money that Kiss is making, no, Peter, you do not have one quarter of the fans. You don't have one one hundredth of the fans. And I know because I was one of the 16 people in attendance. There were so few people in attendance that afterwards I would wait to see the artist afterwards. Uh, he let me on his tour bus. And <laughs> that's how few people now. try doing that now. It's, it's, it'll never happen. You know what I mean? And he was really cool uh, talking to him. And I asked him, I said, so uh, why do you sign everything with number three? And he said, that's my lucky number. I remember him saying that while I was on the bus with him. Yeah, it was just I think it was an exciting time being a Kiss fan pre reunion tour because it weeded out the passive fans you when you did kiss things it was only 
obsessive compulsive kiss fans. Right now you said 1994 that year i would say this was for our time period this is the most dead time for kiss i could think of as that year Oh, it was yeah, exactly, exactly. They were, they had nothing in the public eye whatsoever. Everything was, they were on, they were on life support for all and intents and purposes. Tour yeah. was a flop for the Revenge Tour. That was, a, that was a flop. It was a great album. Yeah, it's a shame, but it was a flop. Yeah, well, you got to figure, grunge destroyed everything. Grunge killed everything. Iron Maiden had a new singer. Uh, Judas Priest had a new singer. Motley Crue had a new singer. Everyone was kind of. It was just. It was rough for. If you loved the music we loved, and I hated grunge. I just. I don't. You know. I want to hear about awesome stuff like getting laid and blowing things up. I don't want to hear about homeless people or something stupid like that. Yeah, I, I hated it. No. Okay. So ninety four. Like I said so. They were supposed to have an album come out in what '95 called Carnival Souls Kiss. Yep. That got scrapped and then came out years later, which was going to be, you know, and it, it is like a grunge type feel, yep. better than most of the grunge bands. But they had to ride the wave of okay, well, popularity is waning, we got to do something. But before that was released, Paul and Gene talked to. Uh, Peter and Ace, and they got together and they set up the well, reunion. It was because of the the, un, the unplugged the tours, convention. the Kiss Kiss con, the official Kiss conventions, and yeah, and that led to the unplugged on MTV, and they saw how. The well, you got you know, we were talking about Kiss conventions that were going on. Let, let's just talk about the official Kiss conventions. Which I'm kicking myself for not going to because I didn't want to spend a hundred dollars on a ticket. Back. It was a, you know at that time here, here the real world. People ask me, "You live so close to New York, why didn't you go?" I said, "Look, at that time, I was out of the house, I was on my own, and I was struggling financially. I mean, to to a hundred dollars back. To, you got to figure we we have proof. Tickets for a, a, a major Kiss concert were nineteen dollars and fifty cents, and then you're gonna have a hundred dollars. I couldn't." There's no possible way that I could justify spending a hundred dollars on on seeing them. And the Kiss conventions, I got another I got another newspaper article from the New Haven Register talking about the Kiss conventions. Uh, because you remember there was a lot of memorabilia being sold, and some of the memorabilia was revealed to be their personal oh. items. And Kiss raided one of the Kiss conventions to get their personal been, items back. Is it an official one or one of the expos? It might have been. Uh, you know, one one of the uh, expos. So this was not the official one. This one was dated on seven twenty one ninety four. Kiss may have put away their face paint, but they're not ready to let go of the studded jock strap and knee high leather boots. Gene <laughs> Simmons and Paul Stanley, founding members of the once flamboyant rock group went to court in Pontiac, Michigan to reclaim costumes that had been stolen from a New York warehouse. The band members and Troy, Michigan police found them during a surprise visit to a KISS convention. The costumes, including a cape, belt, boots, and jumpsuits, were not for sale. The group had abandoned its trademark look of the 70s with painted faces and outlandish costumes. But the outfits are ours, Simmons said. They are part of our history, our personal memorabilia. It is very important to us. KISS attorney Kelly A. Allen said no charges will be sought. 
These guys just want their stuff back. So KISS knew about the unofficial KISS conventions, and that's why they said, hey, if there's unofficial ones, we should make official ones. And that's when they trademark KISS convention. So to this day, you can't use KISS and convention together. You have to call it KISS Expo. Yes. And here and, and, and more more details about that came out. The those costumes were not stolen. The costumes were in a storage container. And, and the pay, people right? they didn't pay the rent. That they was. didn't pay the rent on it. And so it, someone just bought the whole container. Yeah. So it's one of those things like, eh, you guys, you messed up. You messed up. Just own up to it and say, hey, let's buy it back from you. You want it fair and square. We messed up. It's it's just yeah, one of those things. Spend extra money. That, but, that. you know, Kiss was doing financially horrible at this time. They were they were absolutely struggling. They had to sell the rights to some of their songs too, right? Didn't they sell? Uh... It was a mess. It was. They were trying desperately to reinvent themselves for yet again for another generation, and they failed miserably at doing it. Yeah. So this time period. So when we like ninety four, like you're saying, they were dying. They did this uh, official convention. Before that, uh, we saw them at one of the Kiss Expos. Like we're talking about how they realize, okay, there's interest in this stuff. There are people who yes. will pay to see this. And you remember we went to, it was 95, we went to that KISS convention in New Jersey. Yes, and that's where, okay, this is, if anyone's ever seen KISS meets the Phantom of the Park, you have to watch this. It's free on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we also were obsessed with this movie when we were teenagers, when we finally found out about this, because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And I was a vendor selling you know, merchandise, and I uh, we got access to, uh, Nair has interviews on YouTube with uh, a man, Stan Lazowski, who had one of the biggest pop culture stores and one of the biggest pop culture dealers in Connecticut, and he had, from his collection, he just had tons and tons of negatives from photos, and he would print them out. Do you remember that's how I got these? Well, that was a big deal then. If you had the original negatives to photos, then you can reproduce. Yeah, so high quality... quality. Yeah, this is you know, no one had computers at home or anything, and the people that did were few and far between. And so, if you had the negatives, that was like, wow, this is gold. I could print as much as I want. And you, you end up purchasing negatives. So I had the negatives, and I made you know, high quality prints, you know, eight by tens of these, and sometimes four by six. And people were buying all the four by six ones because they're way they're way cheaper to make and they're cheaper to buy. So people were buying these, and at the time. Peter, Peter and Ace were the Kiss, you know, members that were signing. They were signing for free. They were signing for free next to Adam West and Julie Newmar. So you went down the row and you got all of them to sign things at once. Which except Adam West was not free. Adam West was the one person charging. The correct, correct, correct. And I think he was like ten dollars at the time. I want to say something like. When I had a, we'll we'll talk about this later in another episode. I had a TV guide and his agent wanted more than ten dollars, but I'm saying. But the funny thing is. It, they weren't segmented. There was one long table with it was Kiss and and, and Batman together. It's like yeah. such a weird combination. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was a great time though to be a fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> See you all yes. This. It was because we liked it all. Sure. And it was free. So Peter and Ace were free. And this one guy saw me selling the photos. I don't really know anything about Kiss, but they're free, and I collect autographs, so I'll get them. And so Nayar is about to take some photos. I said, oh, no, no, no. Let me pick the photos. You remember this, right? 
I thought it was it was mean, but it was hysterical. This is just a joke for myself because I thought this was hilarious. So talk about Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. There's a scene where, uh, well, the whole movie, there's uh, Devereaux's this character. He makes robots, and he makes the ones that look just like Kiss. So there's, like, this evil <laughs> Kiss in the movie. So I had some of the photos that they're negative, so you can't tell what they are. So I got some printed, and they're of the stunt doubles. It has them fighting each other, uh, the real Kiss and the stunt doubles. Some of you can see the photos. You can tell it's the stunt doubles. The guy's like, oh, I'll get some. I said, oh, oh I'll, Ryan, they are about to pick them out. I said, let me, let me pick them out. I know, I know some good photos. So I give him the stunt doubles photos. And you give him a stunt double of, of the stunt double like kicking Peter Chris. Like, yes. What a dumb thing to get signed. <laughs> it was just the most hilarious thing in the world. And you're making his face like, what are you doing? I said, no, oh, no, it's hilarious. And then now you think it's great. Uh, this, this poor guy, this poor guy, you know, probably still holds on to this, has it hanging in his house of a, of a stunt double signed by Peter. And you got to figure this is the same era when because you were a toy dealer at the time. You put your name tag as Todd McFarland. And one guy actually went up to you and said, are you really Todd McFarland? And you said, I'm trying to keep a low profile, which is so hysterical. And then the guy gives you a comic to sign and you sign it. Todd McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so this is a great time to, to be into the stuff where you couldn't really Google anything to see what Todd McFarlane looked like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the kiss, so we had those signs. Oh, and this was at the same convention. Richie Scarlett was there as a fan. Okay. And I had that Just kiss your ass CD. Fan. Huh? So anybody listening, uh, Ace Frehley, you know, had his solo band later after, you know, post Kiss and Richie Scarlett was one of the guitarists, right? Yes. Yeah, so I actually had the, the Kiss My Ass CD. And if you notice on the Kiss My Ass CD, it has this note on the inset. It says, uh, Peter and Ace, Ace, we couldn't have done this without you. And it's signed by Gene and Paul. So I went up to him because I was like, no one would know who Richie Scarlett is without Ace Frehley. I want him to sign that too. And I said, can you sign this for me? And he said, <laughs> and, and I thought he'd be maybe offended that this line said, we couldn't have done this without you. And he said, man, get away from me. I'm not in Kiss. That's the wrong <laughs> band. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't sign it. And then he later, yeah, Richie Scarlett, then he later did uh, a track with Peter Chris, right? Oh, these guys are all, yeah. They just don't, they don't want to learn a skill. They don't want to be a carpenter. They don't want to be insurance salesman. They don't want to be in real estate. Just, they think they're 25 years old forever. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. <laughs> that was just a couple years ago they did the uh, <laughs> songs together. Horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely so, horrible. Horrible. It's just, I, I, it's just painful, painful to listen to it. So now we'll, we'll backtrack. So you're saying how we didn't want to spend the hundred dollars on the Kiss Expo, but yeah. then, uh, but then we're hypocrites because then, and once we found out, was it '96 that Kiss is doing the reunion with the the original lineup? Yes. And we had a friend named Gene. Gene uh, Zeldin. Yep. Yeah. He would listen, and he also owned a record store, and yes. he was obsessed with the the station that Ryan says is terrible, ninety nine rock. And just, I hate classic rock. I just, it's just so it's it's, it's, it's says, so unlistenable. Yes. 
And Gene is a like just a moderate Kiss fan. He's not a huge Kiss fan, but he goes, yeah. guys, they had an ad on uh, on Rock you could see because it was sold out immediately when they were play- four nights in a row. Madison Square Garden Kiss were playing. That's right. Tickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still uh, literally in minutes. The first one sold out minutes. Like, oh, wait, so that's... so let me let me read to you the official press release. So. Um... Original KISS members are back. This is from New Haven Register. Um, Get out your black skin-tight leather, KISS fans. The original members of the band are reuniting for a worldwide tour. Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, Peter Chris, and Paul Stanley appeared in Manhattan this week in the ghoulish makeup that made them famous to announce the start of a two-year tour. The first concert is June 28th at Tigers Stadium, Detroit. They are tentatively scheduled to perform at the Hartford Civic Center in late July. This isn't about anything but the fans, and the fans have wanted this for a long time, Simmons said. The band started in 1974 and quickly became known for concerts that included pyrotechnics, 40-foot-tall drum sets, and Halloween-style get-ups. The original four haven't played together for years until earlier this year when they put out an album called Kiss Unplugged. And so that's when this news came out about the reunion tour, it spread like wildfire. Oh, yeah. So even the people who were just yeah, like they weren't huge Kiss fans are like, oh, I have to see this. Yeah, that's right. We always said like, oh, it would be so cool to see the original lineup. You know, we enjoy mm-hmm. the current lineup, but we kept saying, boy, wouldn't it be cool to see in the makeup? Well, it's never going to happen. Then when it finally did happen and jeans, would it cost one hundred and twenty five dollars or one hundred and fifty dollars? So you got a sold out ticket. So you got a solo ticket. I have the original ticket stub. So this was Sunday, July 28th, 1996. The the ticket itself was $46. Now, just remember, a few years before, it was $19.50 for floor seats. So this was – we had side, side seats uh, on the side, but it was the lower level. We were in Section 203. But it included, I think it was the year, $125, and included coach transportation to and from Manhattan from New Haven, Connecticut. And yeah. so that was the selling point. You didn't have to deal with parking, nothing. You could just be on a bus full of other KISS fans, which yeah, was sold out. a great deal. So you're like, well. Fine, I have a sold-out ticket. I can't get it anywhere else, and I don't have to worry about driving, getting lost. This is before and, exactly, and and right. on the way home, you could sleep on the bus. It was awesome. So this was. I still. I wish more. That. You know, I wish that was a thing nowadays, because that's a great deal. Oh. Because now, now I'm at the point I don't want to park anywhere. Parking is oh. a hassle. It not oh. only is it expensive, it is I am just over it. And this was for especially for Manhattan. It was glorious. When you went to Madison Square Garden and you got to see the the marquee saying Kiss sold out, it was just so exciting. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, I remember going to the bar inside Hooligans was a bar inside Madison yes. Square Garden. And they just kept playing Kiss, you know, on the yes. ever mm-hmm. nonstop. So we're hanging out there first, then going in there. And, of course, we had to see all the new merchandise when you walk yep. in. Yeah. Big deal. Then they had these giant inflatables of the band. Do you remember that? Each band member? I do. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All this was mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. 
And for this night, so we saw them on the fourth night. They played, you know, and they couldn't, if you remember this, they had a stagehand set up uh, a stool for Peter to sing Beth. That's right. Mm -hmm. Rose, and he then, like, ten seconds later, he runs out and grabs it, and he goes back, and they come out and play another song. I found out, and if you looked into this, it's because Union charges so much money if you go over. They yeah. found they were going over, so they had to cut Beth out, or they had to spend thousands of dollars for going over. <laughs> yeah. For the yeah, time. that's Gene. Boy, that's so, Gene. Squeeze that penny. Make, so make Abraham Lincoln choke. Yeah. So that's the reason why. So uh, we couldn't. So we're the one, uh, one of the few people that did not see Beth on that tour for that reason. For for you know at that time. But then I'm looking. We, uh, we have the ticket stub for. Hartford Civic Center. So we went to see them again when they came back around. And this was just a few months later, November of 1996. Tickets were $31. And so we got to see it there. Mm -hmm. I remember that specifically because we were in the parking garage and I was driving like a maniac. And you're like, what are you doing? Because people are trying to cut me off on a top level parking garage. And I'm going to get out of this place. And people keep trying to cut in front of you <laughs> to, to get yeah. out. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally remember that. And and people were trying to sell bootleg Kiss shirts left and right. And if you remember, the Kiss shirts that they were selling had the star on the wrong eye on Paul. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, How do you mess that up? No. How do you mess that up? And it was exciting to see Peter play again, you know, because we haven't seen him in a while. We saw Eric Carr play previous. And, you know, what? I do have the New Haven Register obituary for Eric Carr. And that's uh, 11-26-91, so it was Thanksgiving. Uh, Kiss drummer Eric Carr dead of cancer at 41. And so, you know, being being a Kiss fan over the years, it was – you kind of got to know each of the members because we would – anything related to Kiss, we would read about it. You know, they had, uh, uh, they had magazines that were produced by Starlog. Starlog would make Kiss magazines. And, and – how many other bands have their own magazine? And they used to advertise, too, in the 70s, correct? For the albums, the Kiss albums, too, they right? They did. Or they yeah. had magazines, right? That's right, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I, I love those Kiss magazines, the Kiss Crazy Nights, or Kiss Kiss Exposed magazine. Okay. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Read that over and over again. And during the reunion tour, they had the reunion tour magazine. It was, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Mayor, this has been a blast talking to you about KISS. Uh, tell everyone about Starpod Log and Starpod Trek, if you could. Okay, so my wife and I have two podcasts. One focuses in on Star Trek. The other one focuses in on classic sci-fi, fantasy, just all the fun stuff of the 70s and 80s. So you could find Starpod Log wherever you find podcasts. And I've had you on the guest many times, and I know... We are covering material now from the year 1980 and rolling into 1981, and we look forward to hearing your commentary on movies and TV shows of that era. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I always have a fun time, so I'll be doing more and always hope to have you on and uh, Kavura, too, in the future. Yeah, I know you two love Buck Rogers. She's looking forward to talking about Buck Rogers with you. We both love Gil Gerard when he's wearing the, the – 
the gold pants, that photo. Yeah, she likes it with no shirt on. Yes, all right. All right, everyone, live long and prosper. Nanu, nanu. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy Shocking Things and want to support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Radio, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Sharing the episodes you enjoy on social media also helps. To see more information pertaining to each episode, please go to our social media and interact with us. On Instagram, it's at shocking.things.podcast, on Twitter, at thingsshocking, and on Facebook, at shockingthingspodcast. Or go to anchor.fm slash shockingthings for the main hub with the links to everything. Until next time, try and enjoy the daylight.